0: The Rocky Mountains hold many mysteries. Millions of people enjoy the natural beauty, but some come across the hidden dangers. This is Rocky Mountain Red-Handed. I'm Becky, here with my gorgeous friend, Melanie. I'm going to change it every single time. (laughs) My goodness, you're the nicest. (laughs) Becky is the best at, like, nice compliments. So if you ever are having a bad day, just come to (laughs) Becky. The stories we share are remembered by some, but forgotten by many. Let's dive into Rocky Mountain Red-Handed. Hello, friends. We hope you're all doing well surviving this heat because we're barely surviving it. Mm-hmm. Thanks so much for being here today. And I'm going to let everyone know, when I saw Melanie over the weekend, I called her Malibu Barbie. She because she's super, super tan, and she's super blonde, and she looked exactly like Malibu Barbie. And that was the sweetest ever. <laughs> and her son is calling me Miss Lady Person. So I've got I, all sorts of fun nicknames in the I've got, household. I've got a 17-year-old son, 18 in September, and he's he's definitely a teenager. Like, I'm like, you mean Melanie? Like, one of my best friends that's in our home constantly? Just walks in the front door. <laughs> Just walks in, the, the person that walks in, and he's like, yeah, yeah, you're. Your Miss Lady Friend, like so. goodness. The best. So (laughs) we have a couple of shout outs before we get started, a couple of little things to go through. Mm -hmm. So first of all, we want to say hello to Sarah from Colorado. She sent us the sweetest message saying that she's been binging our episodes. She said she'll be sad when it goes. She has to listen Mm -hmm. just week to week and just said the nicest things. And it just made our day. Mm -hmm. And I appreciate it. I love she gave us a case recommendation that I'm looking into. And Sarah, thank you so much for that. Yes. And your sticker will be in the mail tomorrow. Yes, for sure. And we want to say hello to our friend Julie from North Dakota. She actually just moved from North Dakota to Utah. Okay. But um, Julie, hello. We love you. Thanks for listening. We love you. Yes. And then one more thing. We have briefly talked about our T-shirt giveaway that is still coming. We promise. T-shirts are so soft. Love it. Yes. Um, Becky and I's brains are currently dealing with kids and summer and all those things. So when school gets back in, we have some big news actually to come along with those t-shirts. So mm-hmm. very big news. Yes. We're very excited about some some things we're going to be growing. Yeah. But great. We're so excited. Mm-hmm. So, um, so, well, should we just dive in? Let's just dive in. Can let's do, let's it. do it. Hey, we've got a sad case for you today about a wonderful family that happened to have two tragedies in less than 18 months. I don't know how someone can deal with that. Yeah. Both of their daughters were killed by the actions of other people. Before we start sharing the story with you today, we want to say thank you to everyone for the support. Yeah, Rocky Mountain Red Handed is growing each week. So please keep sharing with friends and family. Rate and review on Apple Podcasts, follow us on Spotify. It really helps us out. And it's been so good to see those numbers growing. So we want to just continue. It's so fun. Every single week, our audience is growing. Yes. Yeah. And you can help us um, out by getting one of our awesome Rocky Mountain Redheaded stickers. We just mentioned we got Mel got one off to Sarah, but um, they're just really good looking too. Yeah. It's very fashionable. Mm-hmm. But just PM us or email us at, at gmail.com. Mel, can you give us those socials again? I did the email. You did the Which email. was a big step for me. Good job. So you can find us on Facebook or you can find us on Instagram at, at Rocky Mountain Red-handed. Send us a DM over there and we'll get that in the mail as well. So before we get started today, thank you, Jennifer G., for this case. I believe she was from Wyoming. I had never heard of this case before and I'm so glad she sent it to us. Uh, Crystal Houston and her family are such a great example of taking care of each other through thick and thin. Her family really fought for justice. So without further delay, here is the story of the murder of Crystal Lee Houston Calderella. That have you ever heard of Socorro, New Mexico? No, I haven't. But you know what? I've only been to Albuquerque and I'm like driven across New Mexico. I haven't had a chance to like actually spend too much time in the state. Yeah. Well, Socorro is about 75 miles south of Albuquerque. Its elevation is pretty high. It's about 4,500 feet above sea level. The town lies next to the beautiful Rio Grande. Yeah, so if you are a movie buff, you've probably seen snippets of Socorro. Uh, Chris Hemsworth, Mm. uh, yummy. Yes. Let's just pause for a moment for for him. He filmed a movie in Socorro called 12 Strong, and then Socorro doubled as Afghanistan in that movie. And then, Mel, have you seen the movie Contact? It has been a long time, but yes, I have seen that movie. With it's Jonah to... Foster. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, right, never used to watch it. Yeah. Well, the large satellite dishes in that movie—do you remember that? Yeah. That's all filmed in Socorro, okay. so it's this—the satellite dishes. is actually called the Carl G. Jansky Very Large Array, AKA VLA for short. That's what it's called, Very Large Array. Oh. <laughs> v- very creative. Uh, very creative. Very very. It's made of 28 radio telescopes that are about 25 meters wide. And, yeah, Yeah. science. It's really interesting. Science is it, amazing. It is amazing. In fact, VLA has made amazing discoveries. Black holes, birth of stars, motions at the Milky Way Center, all sorts of really cool discoveries. Yay for science. That's awesome. Well, other than the home of the huge telescopes, Socorro is the home to about 8,500 people today. Our story takes... Place in the spring of 2001. So as a country we were focused on Janet Jackson's new hit song All for You. Do you remember that? Yes. Yeah. And Miss Jackson by Outkast, which I Completely. I want to start leaving, <laughs> but I'm not <laughs> going to. You're welcome. Yes. We also, you know, went to the theaters to see Shrek, Harry Potter, Legally Blonde. So good. Mhm. And Ocean's 11. Nicole Kidman and Tom Cruise had just broken up and Bjork had worn the famous goose dress to the Oscars. Do you remember that dress, Mel? No. You don't? I don't even know who Bjork is. You don't? I love Bjork. Becky is determined to like have <laughs> me tell everybody that I don't know who that is. Okay. <laughs> no. If you don't know the goose dress, you do. Just go Google it. Bjork B-J-O-R-K. And I did have her poster hanging on my wall over my bed in college. Friends was the most viewed TV show. My favorite show. Have you heard of Friends, Mel? Oh, my gosh. Becky. Mel, God. Mel's obsessed with Friends. Yeah. And Becky's favorite music video, Weapon of Choice, with Christopher Walken by Fatboy Slim, was a huge hit. It's the best. On Easter Sunday, April 15, 2001, Joyce Fisher stopped to check on her daughter, Crystal Lee, Houston Caldera, at her home in Socorro, New Mexico. Crystal had promised to stop by her mom's house on Friday two days prior and help fix the air conditioner. It was already April, and Sakura was going to be very hot before too long. Crystal didn't show up as she had promised. She did have a lot on her plate, and so her mom kind of just let it go and brushed it off. She must have gotten busy and probably pushed it off for a bit, is what her mom thought. After all, it wasn't too hot yet. Joyce was busy with her weekend plans. It was, after all, Easter weekend. Mm-hmm. The family had wanted to meet and enjoy an Easter Sunday picnic to celebrate the holiday, which I think sounds so nice. So nice. Yeah, a, a picnic That sounds so nice on Easter. Crystal was planning on attending with the rest of her family, of course, yet she didn't show up. No one in the family had heard or seen from Crystal since earlier in the week. Her ex-partner was in town and had taken Crystal's daughter, Cassandra, for a visit over the weekend. Maybe they thought Crystal was upset about this, being away from her daughter. Maybe she was just hiding out at home. It was hard for her to be away from her daughter. She and her ex were involved in a pretty bitter custody battle. And Joyce knew that this was really hard for Crystal. Which I totally understand that when I went through um, my divorce. I remember at first when he, you know my ex would have my kids, I my family knew. I just kind of bunkered down at home. Yeah. Just kind of wanted to do my own thing. That's kind of how I processed it. So I can see how her family wasn't that alarmed. Yeah. So yeah. Um, Joyce drove over to Crystal's mobile home. She had just uh, settled into her new home, and, you know, she was excited to have her own place. Crystal's car, a Honda Civic Coupe, was gone. Nevertheless, Joyce walked up to the front door and knocked loudly. No answer. She tried the doorbell. No answer. Finally, she just tried to open the front door, and it was locked. Joyce was not going to give up, though. Something was wrong. She could feel it in her bones. Joyce walked across the street and knocked on the front door of Crystal's neighbor, Ted Soto. He was an older single man who had been spending time with Crystal. He liked to, like, keep an eye on her and seemed to really care about Crystal. That's got to be, like, kind of a comfort to know that neighbors are watching out for, right? Definitely. So Joyce explained the situation, asked if Ted would help her break into the house, which, as a mother, I totally would break into my kids' house. houses. Like, no problem. Yep. Ted agreed and brought along what he needed to pry the door open. Within minutes, the door was open. The pair took a step or two into Crystal's home, and Ted suddenly froze. He said he recognized the smell. Decomposition. Then Joyce's eyes locked onto something. Two legs laying on the floor, bruised. One sock on, one sock off. Joyce wanted to run to the body. Was it her daughter? But Ted stopped her, and they called 911. Within minutes, the Socorro Police Department arrived. Ambulance, patrol cars, and detective vehicles surrounded the small home. The lead detective was Assistant Chief Angel Garcia. Ted Soto talked to Assistant Chief Garcia and, um, you know, told him all about the break-in and the body that he had found with Joyce. Another detective, Lieutenant Earl Higgs, was on the scene and examined the body in detail. The victim's shirt was pulled over her head but was still on her body. The victim was naked from the waist down. The young female had bruises and contusions on her lower legs, neck, and blood on the back of her head. She had broken fingernails, which indicates that she must have really fought with her attacker. Um, Fought for her life, really. Uh, She had been deceased for between 24 and 48 hours. Hmm. Eventually, the autopsy would reveal she was killed by blunt force trauma to the head. Semen was also found inside of her. The crime scene hinted at a sexually motivated murder. The living room showed traces of a party, beer bottles, full ashtrays, that type of thing. Police noticed her TV was missing, but the remote control was still laying on the coffee table. The most curious thing the detectives found was a framed photograph. The photograph was a recent picture of Crystal and her daughter Cassandra. The framed photograph was carefully placed face down on the table. Not thrown, like not toppled over by accident. It was placed face down. Beck, what, what do you think that means? What does that tell you? To me, it screams remorse. I mean, like if you if you've killed someone you know, you don't want to stare at a picture of them with their child, right? Yeah. That's mm-hmm. exactly what I thought. So the question that they had now is this is this murder random or is it not? Did Crystal know her murderer? Under the circumstances, I'm thinking that she did know the murderer. Probably. Mm-hmm. Law enforcement on the scene knew Crystal. Her family was very well known in the area. They were pretty sure that the victim was definitely Crystal, but they needed, of course, to make those positive ID efforts. Uh, Assistant Chief Garcia walked outside to where Joyce was sit- was waiting on pins and needles. He asked her if Crystal had any tattoos, which her mother confirmed that she did. It was a small Christian cross on her leg. That's all they needed. Crystal Houston Calderella, had been murdered. She was just 24 years old. Joyce could not believe what she had been told. Surely this couldn't happen again to their family. Oh, Keyword there, again. Yep. Oh. Joyce had five children. Vicki, Stephanie, Billy, Crystal, and Jolene. Just 14 months earlier, Stephanie had been taken too early from their family. She was a very familiar face and loved by pretty much the entire town. Stephanie ran a convenience store in Socorro, and it was often like a hangout for locals. In fact, many law enforcement officers would stop by and have long chats with Stephanie late at night. Stephanie was in a tumultuous relationship with a man named Patrick Murillo. On the evening of February 27, 2000, the couple had attended a concert at the Red Carpet Bar, where Patrick's band was playing that night. Stephanie started to dance with a friend, Ruben Chavez, And Patrick became insanely jealous and angry. He attacked Ruben, and the two had to be separated by bouncers. So Ruben left the parking lot, and Patrick and Stephanie started fighting outside of the bar. A little later that night, he drove back, this is Ruben, driving back past the bar on his way home. He noticed Patrick's truck and trailer parked on the side of the road. He claimed he saw the truck jump forward about 60 feet and come to a stop. Ruben rushed over to the truck. He sensed something was seriously wrong. As he got closer, he could see Stephanie lying unconscious on the side of the road. She had been run over by the trailer that her boyfriend, Patrick, was pulling with his truck. Ruben rushed to call 911 for help. When emergency responders arrived, Stephanie was still alive but in grave condition. They did what they could at the scene and then prepared her for the ambulance ride to the nearest medical center. Stephanie died en route to the hospital. She was pronounced dead upon arrival. The medical examiner determined her death as a homicide. Yet her boyfriend, Patrick, was later acquitted for a vehicular homicide and Stephanie's death was ruled as an accident. Mm-hmm. Thoughts on that, Mel? I mean... It's so hard to know exactly what happened, but it sounds like they were in a bar. He was probably been drinking. He was upset about something, so I would say probably not an accident. Well, yeah, and it's it's interesting to me that the cause of death was changed. Yeah, medical examiner ruled it initially as homicide. Yeah, and Wonder then one. and yeah. then it changed changed to accidental. I don't know. It seems it seems curious. Yes, let's uh, take a quick break and say thank you to our sponsors. Give your brain the natural nutrients, blood flow, and neurotransmitter support it needs to make the fight with depression an unfair fight. Get stronger daily with Whole Supplement. Build momentum each day with the Whole Depression Release Stack, the three targeted daily formulas that will help you feel, enjoy, and progress again. So, how do you take the Whole Stack? 1. Wake Up Formula Take Wake Up in the Morning with a glass of water to kick off your day with motivation and energy. Number two is the daytime formula. Take daytime around lunch to ensure you have the focus, mood, and productivity to power through the day. That sounds like something we all need. Number three, the sleep it off formula. Take sleep it off about an hour before you plan to go to sleep for amazing rest and brain support that will consistently set you up for better days. I've experienced depression since I was a teen. I try to do my best to take care of my mental and emotional health and manage my anxiety and depression. But even with medication, I can find myself struggling some days. I started taking whole supplement just a couple weeks ago, and I already feel like I'm giving my body the armor it needs to win the fight each and every day. The ingredients in whole supplements have been used for hundreds of years. They just haven't been put together this way to help people struggling with depression. There are no proprietary blends and no hidden ingredients in whole supplement. So here's Adam Steer, founder and CDO of Whole Supplement. I started Whole Supplement with a mission to help others who, like myself, have struggled with finding relief from depression and anxiety. Our number one goal is to empower everyone we can to make meaningful progress every single day. So now is the time to take care of your emotional and mental health. During the pre-launch offer, you can receive the entire whole depression relief stack at 15% off. Go to whole supplement.com and use code Rocky Mountain. Again, go to whole supplement.com and use coupon code Rocky Mountain. Simplify your fight with the whole stack from Whole Supplement. Thanks again to our sponsors. Let's get back to our story. So we just shared how Stephanie, Crystal's older sister, was killed. Stephanie was considered a good friend to many of the officers in Socorro, so when Crystal's ID was confirmed, many couldn't believe that the sister's poor family was reliving a nightmare. Two daughters were killed in less than 18 months. How could this be? Many agree that of the entire family, Crystal took Stephanie's death the hardest. At the time of Stephanie's death, Crystal lived in Las Cruces, which was about two hours away. But she decided to move back home to be closer to her family. Yeah, death can do that for us. Like sometimes it helps us appreciate the people Mm -hmm. most important in our lives and kind of helps us rearrange our priorities. Don't you think? Definitely. agree. Yeah. So Crystal had a lot going on in her life. She was going through a messy custody battle. She had just lost her sister in such a tragic way. And her daughter was diagnosed with cystic fibrosis and suffered from chronic lung infections. That girl's got her hands full. Mm-hmm. In fact, when Chris, when Cassandra was a baby, she had spent six months in the hospital and almost lost her life. So Crystal, you know, had been learning how to take care of Cassandra and manage her cystic fibro- fibrosis, excuse me, and, you know, keep her daughter healthy on a day-to-day basis. Yeah. Crystal's ex-husband caused a lot of stress in her life. He was known to be mentally abusive. He would yell scream, threaten, and things had just gotten more bitter with the custody battle. At the time of Crystal's murder, Cassandra was staying with her dad. The Socorro Police Department thoroughly worked the crime scene. They double-checked, triple-checked each movement to make sure they collected all of the evidence they could. They believed whoever raped and killed Crystal was someone she knew and trusted. There was no forced entry before the neighbor, Ted Soto, had gotten into the home. Yeah, we all know most murders happen between two people who know each other. A random murder is quite rare. Yeah, so I shouldn't be scared of someone I don't know. Just my close friends and family, right, Mel? Yeah, that's really (laughs) comforting, right? Statistically, it's going to be someone that you know. Yeah, great. Okay. So first things first, they started with canvassing. Socorro Law Enforcement blanketed Crystal's neighborhood and looked for anyone who may have heard or saw something at Crystal's home. The police department actually had a secret weapon for Crystal's case. Assistant Chief Garcia grew up across the street from Crystal's home. He was known, loved, and trusted by everyone in the neighborhood. Everyone was more than willing to help with the case. I love small towns, don't you? They're the best. <laughs> yeah, it was such a lucky break. Sometimes, you know, it's some people just don't want to cooperate with the police. When the police come to the door, they just want them gone. Um, they they don't want to get involved so to have everyone be ready and willing and to be cooperating in this neighborhood was such a big help during canvassing a neighbor mentioned that her son had just started to date crystal we're just going to call him boyfriend during our story today so within hours of the discovery of crystal's body law enforcement brought him in for questioning he was the first person of interest in this case Boyfriend and Crystal had planned on visiting a nearby lake recreation area over Easter weekend. He claimed that he saw Crystal for the last time on Thursday night. The couple had gone to a nearby river and fished together. As the afternoon turned to evening, Crystal was really feeling the alcohol that she had consumed. Yeah, drink after drink after drink all added up. Crystal was very intoxicated and wanted to drive home. Boyfriend, of course, didn't want Crystal to drive, obviously, so... Um, You know, of course, it's super dangerous, irresponsible to drive after drinking. So he took her car keys from her. Crystal was furious. They drove home and he dropped off Crystal at her house. Yeah, Boyfriend decided to give Crystal some space. So he headed over to his mom's house, um, who was a neighbor of Crystal's, so that she could cool off without him around for a little while. A little later that night, he checked in again with Crystal, and she was still angry with him. So boyfriend left and went into town. So can I point out real quick that her car is missing, and this guy just admitted to taking her car keys. Yeah, I was just thinking yeah the same mm, thing. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. At this point, the car is missing, and no one has seen it. Yes, yes, yes. So as people in relationships sometimes do, a little later that same night, boyfriend drove past her house again. Mel, did you ever do drive-bys on your boyfriends and just check out their houses? Of course. Of course you did. Of course. I was Uh a teenage girl. (laughs) I really did. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So boyfriend drove past um, her house again. This time he claimed to see a car parked outside of Crystal's house. He said it was a brown single cab truck. So, you know, being the stalker that most of us are when we're dating, he stopped his car and parked across the street to watch the house. He claimed to see Crystal leave later that night with two men. I will say it's one thing as a teenage yes. girl to drive by and mm-hmm. stalk your boyfriend's house and to be an adult. This seems... Yeah, you're, you're 100% right. Well, and you know what? I've never stopped and parked outside someone's house. Yeah, I haven't. Yes. Just, so, by. just in high school, we drove by. Yeah, yeah it's mm-hmm. also weird that he didn't just go and talk to her when he saw her leaving with two men. I, yeah, I, love makes people weird, don't they? Mm-hmm. So the next morning, this would be Friday morning, boyfriend drove over to Crystal's house. It was a new day. Hopefully things were fine between them, right? This is what he was hoping. They had made plans to go up to the lake, and he wanted to make sure that she was still willing to go with him after their argument. Mm-hmm. Yeah, usually those, you know, drunken arguments can be wiped clean pretty pretty easy through a relationship. Right. So the first thing he noticed was Crystal's car was not there still. He spent the rest of the day looking for Crystal and finally left a note attached to her front door. You know, we don't know what the note said. I sure wish we did. I wonder if it was like maybe an apology or if maybe it was like an angry note that she wasn't around. Um, Maybe a little bit of both, right? Uh huh. The note was not on Crystal's door on Sunday when Joyce arrived at her house. So the police don't even know, like, boyfriend was telling the truth about this note. Right now in our story, all we have is his statement about the note. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. The detectives were very suspicious, but with no direct evidence, the boyfriend was released. Before he left, the detectives asked him if he would be willing to submit to a DNA test so they could exclude him from the investigation. He agreed. Yeah. Whenever there's a murder, we obviously know, like, who the first person is that we look at, right? Back who Mm -hmm. is that? Yeah. It's always the partner. Yeah, Mm -hmm. of course. Well, in this case, it was the ex-partner. Hector Calderella and Crystal had been fighting over custody of their daughter, Cassandra. So law enforcement brought Hector in for questioning. He claimed the last time he had seen Crystal was about 5 p.m. on Thursday evening. Yeah, they had met in separate vehicles to exchange custody of Cassandra. Hector claimed to not even know where Crystal lived at the time. Remember, she had just recently moved and Hector said he didn't even have her new address. So his statements seem to fit the timeline perfectly. So maybe the ex wasn't guilty this time. Yeah, I mean, he definitely had the motive, though. Full custody of his daughter if only Crystal disappeared. That's a big motive. Yeah, I mean, it's usually like, what you know, they look at the murder and think, okay, who's going to benefit the most from this, right? Mm -hmm. Well, we aren't done with suspects yet. Bill Houston, who is Crystal's father, came into the Sakura Police Department and met with detectives. Bill was well-known and very well-respected in town. The detectives met with him, and Bill claimed to know exactly who killed his daughter. Guess who it is, Mel? Our break-in artist, Ted Soto. Okay, so the neighbor of the man who broke into Crystal's house. Mm -hmm, Yep, Ted was older and had been spending a lot of time around Crystal. Ted was, quote, checking on Crystal, end quote, all of the time. He told practically everyone who would listen that he didn't think Crystal's friends or boyfriends were good for her. He seemed like pretty obsessed with young Crystal. So this wouldn't surprise me if the murder ends up being Ted Soto. It's pretty common for the killer to like insert themselves into the investigation. Definitely, yeah. Mm -hmm. Killers sometimes stage the discovery of the body. They want like a front row seat to the carnage and the pain they created. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it would be a good excuse if his DNA was found at the crime scene. You know, he could say, of course I was there. Right. Bill Houston, Crystal's father, didn't like or trust Ted Soto at all. Bill wholeheartedly believed Ted knew exactly what would be found in her apartment. So the police brought him in for a little chat. And wouldn't you know it, Ted had a very important piece to the puzzle. The note the note from boyfriend. During his police questioning, Ted pulled out the note that boyfriend had left on the door. He claimed that he saw the note, read it, and he took it. He thought this guy was not good enough for Crystal. Yet again, no direct evidence, so the police had to let Ted Soto go. Before he left, the detectives asked for a DNA sample to eliminate him for Crystal's murder. He agreed and arranged for the test. Yeah, so time for our last break. Rocky Mountain Red-Handed is brought to you by Balance of Nature. I love my Balance of Nature. I take it every morning and makes me feel so good. I do not like to eat vegetables, so I take my Balance of Nature to be able to get in the nutrients that I need. Go to balanceofnature.com and use promo code REDHANDED for 35% off your first order. We call it 3 and 3. I take my 3 capsules of veggies, 3 capsules of fruits, and it gives me all I need. So that's Balance of Nature, promo code, red-handed. A big thank you to our sponsors, and let's get back to the conclusion of our story. Okay, at this time, the autopsy report came back. We shared the finding earlier in the episode, remember, blunt force trauma to the head and signs of sexual assault. The toxicology report showed alcohol and drugs in her system. Now, all the detectives were waiting for was the all-too-important foreign DNA, DNA results remember unfortunately that there was semen found in her mm-hmm. they had been requesting the dna from all the persons of interest in crystal's case law enforcement must have been looking forward to comparing those results crystal's family was not surprised that she had drugs and alcohol in her system at the time of her death since her sister's death crystal had simply struggled mm-hmm. she was not healthy emotionally or mentally socorro was such a nice little town Yet it had grown much more dangerous within the last few years. There was a big underground drug scene, and unfortunately, Crystal knew the dark side of Socorro all too well. Just four days after Crystal's murder, Detective Billy Romero had an idea. Socorro had a man who seemed to know everything about everyone. If a person was involved with the drug scene, this guy would know all about it, And so we're just going to call him Jose. Jose told the detectives that he had seen Crystal on Friday morning. She had come by his house in hopes of selling him her television. Okay, so that's why her TV was gone. Mm -hmm. Yep. So they must have just left the remote at her house. So Jose took the TV from Crystal and in exchange gave her some narcotics. Then he said that she left. Police called in Greg Romero and wanted to hear his side of the story He backed up the story in full and he added to it. He said that Crystal, a friend named Ramon Lopez, and himself returned to Crystal's house and took the drugs and spent the evening drinking. Okay, so yeah, now we know it wasn't any type of robbery. They took the TV. Yeah. They sold it for drugs. Exactly. So then they went back to her place. Apparently, Ramon Lopez started to flirt pretty heavily with Crystal. He was like, you know, rubbing her arm and being like really touchy-feely. Greg said Crystal wasn't flirting back at all. He said that she never do- never did anything to give um, Ramon the idea that she was like interested in him at all that way. Yeah. Detectives asked Greg Romero to volunteer a DNA sample so that he could be eliminated from the investigation and he agreed. He said he thought of Crystal as a sister and he would never hurt her in any way. I guess we'll see when the DNA comes in. Right back. Mhm. Can we trust this guy or not? Mm-hmm. Well, we know that Socorro is a small town. Remember, Assistant Chief Garcia grew up across the street from Crystal's house. You know, everyone knows everyone else's business, all of that, right? Well, here is another way we can tell that Socorro is a very small town. Lieutenant Earl Higgs had known Ramon Lopez since he was a little kid. He knew his family. He knew his mother. Also, Assistant Chief Garcia had known him his entire life as well. They had attended school together and even played as small children. So the detectives set out to find Ramon Lopez. He didn't really have a residence. He just kind of like hopped around relatives' homes. So they knocked on doors, door after door. They couldn't find him. None of his relatives had seen him since Crystal's murder. He had just disappeared. Disappeared after a murder, huh? So at this point, law enforcement is looking for Ramon Lopez and... Crystal's car. Remember, it's still missing. So that is until April 28th, just 16 days after Crystal's murder. Assistant Chief Angel Garcia had just sat down at home to relax and watch the news. The TV flashed a big picture of a face that he definitely recognized. Ramon Lopez. The Albuquerque police stated that it was Jaime Alvarado. So Jaime Alvarado was Ramon Lopez's brother, but Assistant Chief Garcia knew that was not Jaime. It was Lopez. He picked up the phone and immediately called the Albuquerque Police Department and let them know who they actually had in custody. <laughs> so Lopez was using his brother's identity, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's definitely a sign that he's hiding from something big. Yeah, totally. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The Albuquerque jail ran Jaime, a.k.a. Ramon Lopez's prince, and it was, in fact, Ramon Lopez. It's a good thing Assistant Chief Garcia watched the news that night. Yeah, agreed. That's kind of a big deal. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Ramon Lopez was caught just as he ditched Crystal's car. He was trying to steal another car when he was arrested. So Assistant Chief Garcia traveled up to Albuquerque and tried to talk to his old friend, his childhood playmate, but he refused to talk. Lopez kept his mouth shut. He read him his rights and took him into custody. Law enforcement also took his wonderful DNA. Yeah. Crime scene techs swarmed over Crystal's car. They gathered a lot of evidence including hair, fingerprints, soil samples, and leftover food and drink. They knew they were close to solving this case. The detectives turned in 11 DNA samples to run against the foreign DNA found in Crystal's body the day she died. Hopefully, it would just be a matter of time. So, we have quite the selection of suspects to look into for this case. We have a lot of suspects that have something like super fishy going on. So, let's review. So, first, the neighbor's son, boyfriend, is what we've been calling him. He seemed pretty upset and, you know, let's be honest, stalkerish when Crystal wouldn't see him and, you know, kind of went off without him that evening. Yeah, I definitely agree. He was just like sitting outside of her house, just watching, which is really weird. Mm-hmm. Second, we have Crystal's ex partner. They were in their bitter custody battle. There is a chance that he, like, lost his temper and took the matter into his own hands. Yeah, he wouldn't be the first to kill his ex-partner, unfortunately. Now, third, we, of course, have creepy neighbor. Her- neighbor, He seemed really obsessed with Crystal. Yeah, mm-hmm. plus he stole that note off of her door, which is just crossing lines, just controlling the situation. Well, and that's like, someone, like stealing someone's mail. Do you open your husband's mail? Is it against law to open my husband? You're mail? not supposed to open anyone else's mail. No, I never have opened my <laughs> husband's mail. No, but like, I don't even open my husband's mail. There's something about like communications. Like, you just don't mess with that, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. totally. yeah. Lastly, we have our runner, Ramon Lopez. Did he just steal her car or did he take her life? So, Beck, we know the Sakura Police Department received the DNA test back. Who is Crystal's murderer? Who is guilty of killing this beautiful young mother? Mel, the results, please. It was Ramon Lopez. He raped and murdered Crystal in her own home, but justice would need to be patient. Lopez was already charged with carjacking. He was later found guilty and sentenced to jail time, so the Socorro Police Department had to wait their turn until they could bring him back to town for Crystal's murder. Yeah, this is a lot of patience in this case. Almost four years to the day of Crystal's murder, Lopez completed his time for the carjacking and he was immediately taken into custody and returned to Socorro. In July of 2007, he was convicted of felony murder, second degree murder, kidnapping, criminal sexual assault, theft of a vehicle, and tampering with evidence. He was sentenced to life in prison with a chance at parole in 2035. Ramon Lopez selfishly took a daughter from her parents and a mother from her child. She was murdered in her own home. She was a bright young woman who was fiercely protective of her daughter. She deserved the chance to raise Cassandra, and he took it away. I so wish this was the end of our story, but it isn't. Due to a technicality... Mm, Becky, come on, are you kidding me? No. I know what that means. I know, I know. Lopez's sentence was reduced to a 15-year sentence. Due to a technicality found by one of his attorneys, he was released on parole in 2015, Mal. Shortly after he was released, he was arrested, charged, and convicted of domestic violence. I mean, this guy just needs to be locked up. He's clearly not going to stop. I know. doing yeah. I completely agree, Mel. So, yeah, he is currently not incarcerated, but he is still a resident of New Mexico because of his parole. He cannot leave the state. I just, I'm very curious what the technicality is that got him off with just 15 years. That's not anywhere near enough for somebody's Mm -hmm. life. Yeah, I'm I agree. I agree. And it was just such a brutal crime. Mm -hmm. Her daughter, Cassandra, has grown into a beautiful young woman. We wish her the very best and pray for her peace, strength, and comfort. Crystal's mother, Joyce, just died in June of 2023. The poor mother had to bury two of her children. I can't imagine anyone, any parent, having to bury one child, but two in such a short time. It's just heartbreaking. And two, I mean, it's hard enough to lose a child, but they, both of the girls, died in very violent ways. I mean, this isn't a car accident. This isn't an accident. This was someone choosing to take their life. Unfortunately, in Stephanie's situation, like nobody was held accountable. It was eventually ruled an accident, and in this case he was given 15 years for taking a life it's so sad yeah yeah well i think we deserve a good rocky mountain redemption what what do you think yeah Yeah. Mm -hmm. so we've got a great story to share with you today straight from new mexico so in white sands national park scientists have uncovered the oldest known human footprint in north america i love this stuff The discovery reveals evidence of human occupation beginning at least 23,000 years ago. This is thousands of years earlier than previously thought. The fossilized human footprints were buried in multiple layers of gypsum soil. The seeds embedded in the footprints were radiocarbon dated and analyzed by the U.S. Geological Survey to establish their age. So this find proves the coexistence of humans and the Ice Age. Mm-hmm. It confirms that humans were present in North America be- before the major glacial advances at the height of the last Ice Age closed migration route from Asia. Yeah. So, you know the movie Ice Age, right? Of course. I knew the movie was right. <laughs> there was humans <laughs> mingling in the Ice Age. I love it. So these footprints have been really quick. Do you like how I put in the I, script? I was- almost said it on here. <laughs> Becky told me to laugh at her joke here. We have a script I put in parentheses. (laughs) Laugh at my joke, Mel. She has to prompt me to laugh. (laughs) So these footprints have been given the nickname Ghost Tracks. Each footprint was made by an ancient ancestor many thousands of years ago. And that is your Rocky Mountain Redemption. I think that is a really, really cool thing. Yeah, that mm -hmm. is cool. So thank you so much everyone for listening to us today it means the world to us i know we say it every time but it is it does so cool. it means so yeah. much so follow us on social media facebook you can find us on instagram at rocky mountain red-handed you can also send us a message any of those places or send us an email at rocky mountain red-handed at gmail.com and give us your address we'll send you a sticker mm-hmm. yeah and send us a message and we'll give you a shout out like our friends today thank you sarah yeah. thank you julie hmm And don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review on Apple Podcasts. It really helps us out. So we will be back next week. And until then, keep your hands clean.